Hey guys, this is Wildcat Chris Harris, TNA original and one half of six-time TNA World Tag Team Champions, America's Most Wanted. You are listening to the TNA Cross the Line Podcast. TNA Wrestling, Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 152 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Collins Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are coming off of the first pay-per-view of 2005, Final Resolution, where good old Double J, the chosen one, Jeff Jarrett, King of the Mountain, successfully retained in the main event against Alpha Male, Monty Brown, we also have a new X Division champion, AJ Styles, winning the Ultimate X match. And guess what? We also have new tag team champions because America's Most Wanted defeated Team Canada. And there's a whole lot more that happened both at the pay-per-view, probably behind the scenes in which Dallas will tell us about. But now it is the march towards Against All Odds, the February pay-per-view Dallas Against all odds, are we going to make it to against all odds? I hope so, man. Without Monty as our champion, though, where where else is there to go? What are we doing? Will will TNA even make it to against all odds with these baffling decisions, refusing to push Mr. Monty Brown as a world champion because, simply put, he doesn't have it yet. Well, they freaking should. No kidding. They should push him. And you know what? Maybe they shouldn't have made it. That's well, that's not true. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's like the big stinker coming out of uh, Final Resolution. But uh, besides that, it was a good show. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, I think it's pretty clear the direction that we're heading uh, with the whole. I mean, Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett, right? Well, I mean, we even saw a. If I'm remembering correctly, a brief. Um, altercation or interaction right before the main event of Final Resolution between Kevin Nash, again being held back by official security from Jeff Jarrett. So it was kind of like a teaser, like, hey guys, I know we have Jarrett and Monty Brown, but like, mm-hmm. you know, this is not what's going to, we're going to, we're probably going to have to give you Jarrett and Nash next month. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty obvious. And Honestly, I don't know if I am completely against a Jarrett Nash showdown. I just think that for our viewing experience, since we've been doing this for going on three years, um, maybe a freshened up run here for Mr. Monty Brown. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm Even if it was a very brief run, would have been... Right, I agree with that too. Um... No, I mean, I don't think I'm fully opposed to the Kevin Nash-Jeff Jarrett match either. It's just like, it's like, damn, it's not the guy we want. So I think that's where, like, the issue is, you know. Um, but I think it's it's kind of a crazy thought just that Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash are going to fight for the NWA title in uh, 2005 here. Like, it's just like one of those things, again, that they're doing in TNA where it's like, 
oh, this is happening, and it's 2005? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I'm going to give you a and you're not going to get this, but maybe some people listening will. This is like a, like a football analogy that I'm about to use. Jeff oh, Jarrett is kind of like Tom Brady in the sense of you don't want Jeff Jarrett to win. You don't think he's going to win. And then he wins, which is basically like Tom Brady. A lot of people don't want Tom Brady to win, especially when he was with the Patriots, and he was here in 2005. You don't want the Patriots to win. You don't think that they'll do it again. And somehow, some way, whether the guy is 32 or 25 or 41, he wins. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I mean, I don't watch football, but even I, like, get sick of hearing the Patriots' name because they just win all the time. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's kind of like basketball, Golden State Warriors. They have all these guys. They win. They keep winning. They never lose. A guy gets hurt, star player. They still win. Do people people just like the Patriots because it's like they always win, so then it's like they're joining, like, the cool team that everyone likes to hate? It's the same reason, like, people like heels in wrestling. It's like... (laughs) The bad so, guy won again. I don't think that's the case. That is definitely the case with the Warriors. That was the case with the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Mm, okay. I mean, I, I grew up a, a Bulls fan. I've always been a Bulls fan. I never left. But as soon as Michael Jordan retired, um, they then jumped to the Los Angeles Lakers because it was Kobe and Shaq. And I'm sure with the, I don't really remember anybody jumping to the Patriots. Because really, the Patriots weren't cool. Because, like, Bill Belichick's not likable, the coach. And Tom Brady's not likable. But I think in more, like, a modern time, it's more like the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is so good. Or, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's... People just people jump to the to a team that is consistently winning. I don't, so I dealt with the Bulls going from you know winning sixty games to winning like fifteen. When as soon as Jordan left, I was like Jamal Crawford, baby, yeah, you scored forty tonight. And we still oh, yeah. lost by thirty five points, and then everybody else is like, yeah, but like Bob, Kobe, and Shaq are here now. Oh, very bandwagoners, but but I don't think anybody's bandwagoning to Jeff Jarrett. I think it's the opposite of him. <laughs> to make sure that he does not continue to win no one's really rooting for him aside from pat who we saw on the front row we did and confirmed during the show former gizmos guy and i don't know if i told you this on the air but he continued and he told me uh that at his final show that he went to he like you got a broken piece of guitar but he doesn't know where it's at now oh you sent him a pitch so i was I thought, I was like, what if Dallas had bought his from Pat and Pat doesn't remember? You never know. Mine's, mine's, mine's a WCW one, though. Oh, okay. Because it, it has the slap nuts on the back. And he even, like, when he signs the front, it's the chosen one. And it's just choke on that slappy. So he... Oh, okay, yeah. It's so it's very WCW. Yeah, no, it's the so I can't, I can't even, like, hide that fact. He literally put in every single catchphrase on the guitar that he had. Yeah, whoever signed this, or if this was like given away, or if it was I, like I don't have the full story because I asked about it when I bought it, and um, 
I even asked, like, what sh- do you know what show it was? Do you know who could have gotten hit with it? No, they didn't know it have any information, but uh, which makes me think it's like maybe like a house show or something like that, That's just right. like a random. It's also not like obliterated. Mine from the front looks like a full guitar, and then I have a shadow box next to it with the back and the other broken pieces. So it's like not like obliterated. So I don't know. It's just a really weird. It's a it's a cool piece, but it's just really weird. I think it's awesome that you got. Yeah, it's like my. It's probably my my. That's my top. I don't know if it gets better than that for that for, for my my stuff. But um, well, Bob, uh, we have lots to cover today. As people who have been listening for a while know, the post pay per view shows, at least with these first now, this is the third monthly pay per view. Our first impact following, uh, we kind of do a recap of the show uh, from the Observer, and uh, we have we have plenty to cover. So I kind of want to just dive right into it. I do have one piece of follow up from um, technically the last impact that uh, impact notes that I want to mention uh, just to kind of wrap everything up. But besides that, nothing major on the last impact affects probably really what we're going into now. Because they kind of had some final resolution stuff where, like, Saban beat Daniels to get into that Ultimate X and stuff like that. So we don't really have nothing crazy to carry over from that. Um, and I don't even have the card pulled up. I don't know if we want to say the matches that happen. I don't know if we I, really need I, to. I can do the rundown, to be honest. I have it right here. Oh, yeah. Let's just do it real quick just to kind of pull everything together then. Just what happened on the last impact. In case people were like, you know what? I didn't want to listen to the final resolution episode. Oh, you want me to do the impact? Oh, yeah. Do you have the impact up? From the last episode impact? Yeah, last episode impact. You son of a bitch. No, we're going to go. I'm going to go down final resolutions card. We don't have to necessarily do that. Final resolution was what date? 16th. I I got it. So on January 14th. Yeah, two days before. The lead in for final resolution. We had Eric Young. That's not right. Yes, it is. Eric Young defeated James Storm. I thought it was the other way around. Okay, well, Eric Young defeated James Storm. Dustin Rhodes defeated Chris Candido, who has been having some impressive showings, but not necessarily there against Dustin Rhodes. AJ Styles defeated Cassidy O'Reilly. Primetime, the ex-skipper, defeated David Young. And in the main event, Chris Sabin defeated Christopher Daniels in a near 13-minute match, where the winner would enter Ultimate X at final resolution right so pretty good stuff but nothing that necessarily is like oh shit that's going to happen after final resolution uh but what we did talk about before final resolution and actually what aired i believe on the ending of that episode uh when dusty Rhodes gave us some breaking news that hector garza would no longer be able to appear and fight scott hall he replaced him with jeff hardy well this is like a kind of a, a note relating to all that situation so and I think we might even have a little bit more we'll discuss about him, but uh, I can't remember exactly. Uh, so it's it's noted on the January 17th, 2005 Observer that there was also a panic over the Garza situation the day of the tapings. So the, the two episodes of the tape, because for most of the day, nobody knew anything. Uh, Garza was um, basically not talking to anyone, including his family, because, of course, he was detained by police. Um TNA apparently tried to trace him down, and all they could find out was that was verification that he got on the plane in Monterey to Houston. Uh, there was fear that something even worse than what took place could have happened because he missed his flight to Orlando, and nobody could find out any information. 
during the late afternoon, they did find out that he had been arrested. Uh, even though it is questionable, they proceeded to continue pushing the Hall vs. Garza match with Piper as the ref. And I believe that was on the first two impacts ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Garza was scheduled to beat Chris Saban on the first hour of the tapings when Daniels would interfere. So remember, uh, Saban fought Bobby Roode, and they used Roode as his fill-in. So apparently we're going to get Garza-Saban. And then uh, Daniel's interference, and so Garza would have won still. But So that's kind of my last bit of follow-up that I wanted to leftover notes that I wanted to carry over here. But uh, I think, like I said, I think we'll talk more about Garza's situation, at least just a little bit, because it's pretty much, as we discussed on our last impact, it's kind of it. He kind of, his U.S. career is essentially done. Which, I mean, I know that you looked at it, and I think he did make, like, a Texas appearance. There's, like, one, like, one, yeah. Which shows that he could have came back over, but I'm assuming no one, maybe he, I'm not going to suggest or allege or anything, but potentially just maybe found a way to get in without having to worry about it. I mean, people do that from Canada or going into Canada, you know, at least back then. Yeah, that's a good point. And it was pretty easy, I guess. I think that's fair. You never know. Especially you never for know. a one-off. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, super it'd interesting. Be, it'd be, I mean, I would have thought that, like, if he came in for, for one shot in the, in the States, that independent promotions would have been like, oh, okay. Right. He's former, you know, like just even using the WCW Lucha Libre connection mm-hmm. and try to get some buzz off of that or something. I don't know. But. Right. No, that's no, I definitely agree. Oh, yes. And we are going to talk briefly, I think, about it looks like about Garza again in a second. So I have a few more things that we're going to discuss before we dive into the um, final resolution things. And it's actually all stuff kind of leading up to the pay-per-view. And I think it's pretty interesting uh, stuff here. Um, but we'll start out here with a note. This is in the January 24th, 2005 Observer. Um, Dave notes that while last month's highly uh, lauded TNA pay-per-view called Turning Point, uh, that is really uh, basically an apt description of the current situation with the promotion. Now, the, he, this is a rare, he's, he's saying some pretty good stuff here about the company. The company made it two excellent big shows in a row with the January 16th final resolution show from Universal Studios in Orlando. The combination of a super hot crowd and a two match of the year candidates more than made up for some of the weak matches in the middle of the show. So he says that between Eric Young uh, wielding the spirit of Terry Funk, which is not to slight the work of Chris Harris, James Storm and Bobby Roode in that tag match, followed by an Ultimate X match, you had two of the best back-to-back matches in history um, of U.S. pay-per-view. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Dallas, is that, is he being, okay, there is no way that that tag team, listen, it was the finish, the finishing sequence of that tag team title match was good. The middle part of that was boring. It was slow in the middle. Slow, boring. Like it, it went too. It went on too long. Listen, I, I can't make this stuff up. He's there saying these no are two of the best back to back matches. No in way. U.S. pay per view history. No way. No. 
Did Terry Taylor, like, you know, give him a check or something to maybe try to hype him up or something? You never know. You never know. There's no way. Uh, Ultimate X was fine, but I didn't like that finish of AJ doing the springboard. And that's like a heel. I feel like that's a heel thing to do. Oh, man. I knew Bab was going to love this. There is no fucking (laughs) What a Um, ridiculous statement. Another thing that I should mention uh, after that note before we get into back some really crazy stuff here. Um, I could tell you right now at the top of my head, like the Dudley boys against Edge and Christian and then Jericho Benoit at the Royal Rumble 2001 is a better back-to-back U.S. pay-per-view broadcast match or whatever ever. He did say that. two of the best. Not the two best. No, but he said back-to-back matches are <laughs> best on pay-per-view. There's no fucking way. Well, I like it, so I'm going with it. I would rather take Tess and Albert and Trish against the Hardy Boys and Lita. and then Jesus Christ. And then Taz against Al Snow from Fully Loaded 2000. I don't even know if those were necessarily back-to-back, but I know they're on the same show. I would take those guys over that. Wow. Okay, Bob's Bob's shooting. I'm pissed. Um, I mean, it's just it's such a silly thing to say, and and people can be like, "Oh, Bob, it's 2005 context," which is sure. I mean, stuff has far surpassed that back to back here in 2023. Just from an AEW standpoint, I'm sure there's countless ones that you could do, or right. New Japan for that matter. But um. In 2005, even that is such a blasphemy comment. Like, <laughs> I understand you're trying to hype up a pay per view or whatever, and like, but come on, dude. Well, well, I like it, so I'm going with it still. Uh, we like, we do it. Like, like, I don't mean to keep on cutting you off here, but like, you look at like, I wish I could just look it up real quick, but I didn't want to really do it. Like WrestleMania 19. Okay, like. I want to look this up and be, Lesnar and Kurt Angle was like a great match, right? Like what was on before that? Was it Hogan and McMahon? Because for two completely different reasons, those matches were pretty freaking good. And well, like, I think that's the difference here. So I feel like when he's talking about it, he is, he, it's more the work rate of the matches probably, but. Jesus Christ. Dallas. Okay, so WrestleMania 19, it go, the, the final three matches are Hogan, McMahon, Rock, Steve Austin, Lesnar, Angle. And this guy is trying to tell me. Two of the best. Those were two of the best matches back-to-back ever on pay-per-view. In the U.S., yeah. In the two, U.S. Two of the best, yeah. Um, well, we do have the return of the... the <laughs> Of the pay-per-view poll of the like his the thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Um, so before we go any further, I think we should cover that as well. Uh, so Bob, you and I like this show. Uh, do you think the majority of the the uh, readers agreed with us? Gave it a thumbs up. Uh, judging by Meltzer's reaction, sure. <laughs> yeah, I should have done this first. You're right. Ninety point eight percent gave the show a thumbs up. Only 9.2% were in the middle. And what does that equal, Bob? Zero thumbs down. And before Bob is like, well, how many people voted for it? It looks like we have uh, over 130 votes. So we're, we're going up from the weeklies. Wow. 
that's a that's a good amount. That's a yeah, really good amount. And I don't know off the top of my head, but it seems like we're averaging more what normal um, shows like when he usually does these for like some WWE shows and stuff. I was it just going like, to say that that sounds like a WWE number. Yeah, we're starting to get there with these pay per views because before the weeklies were like oh eleven, right. Six, <laughs> six, six and five, baby. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, also due to my note, I think Bob kind of knows where the best match poll is going to be going. So I'll just tell you. Um, the uh, Ultimate it X. better be Ultimate X, dude. Not oh. that tag team title match. No. Yeah, Ultimate X was number one with 119 of the votes. and But the tag team match got 12 of the votes in the second poll. <laughs> um, now, a back little bit. Back-to-back matches, dude. That, okay. If he sits there and says that back-to-back matches of pay-per-view in U.S. broadcast history or whatever, in the best match, Ultimate X gets 109 or whatever, and then the tag team title match gets 12, I would feel like it would be more evenly proportionate. Like, oh, hey, this one got 60, and then the next that title match got 45 or something. Not 109 to 19. 12. 19. <laughs> That's yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, well, what do you think was the worst match? Uh, let's switch it up a little bit. We're talking a lot about the best. So, what do you think was the worst match that we saw? I'll go. I have my list here. I'm going to say that they went with Scott Hall and Jeff Hardy. No, that was in second place. In first place, Watson Raven. Watson Raven. Uh, then the third place was the triple threat elimination between Kevin Nash, DDP, and Monty Brown. And then the final was Dustin Rhodes versus Kid Cash. So the fact that we even had four spots for this is, just shows you how many people voted on it. That we could layer right. the the matches. That three way elimination wasn't that bad. I I I think that I I maybe'd have to rewatch it. I feel like Dustin Rhodes and Kid Cash, I was a little bit more like like what is going on at this point. Yeah. Uh but more than even so my i don't was watson raven that bad i mean i guess i don't i don't really think so i mean like bad enough to be the worst match on the show no i would have thought it would have been either dustin and kid cash or the the triple threat because and i say the triple threat because there was a lot of standing around and watching the other guy do stuff and kevin ash did nothing and got eliminated over the top you know what i mean so I see why I would people even, would vote that. I would I would put Hall and Hardy in there too, though. I'm surprised Hall and Hardy wasn't in there at all. No, it is. It's second. Second. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that I would vote for Hall and Hardy. I think. Um, well, there's some pretty interesting stuff here, but and then we're, we're going to break down the show a little bit more uh, as well. And I'm not reading his entire description of the stuff, but I pulled out like a sentence for each match, and he I got all his star ratings, which I think is really great. Um, but first, uh, there was a few major stories leading up to final resolution. Of course, we know the Hector Garza situation in Houston, which I don't think we're really going to talk too much more about in this part, but, um, there is the abyss situation, which of course, abyss returned to final resolution. Right. We'll be talking about that. And, uh, which, that was which, right after, that was after Holland Hardy. Right. Uh, which apparently is said to be highly counterproductive internally. We'll get to why. And then there's a very strange Eric Watts situation. Hold that thought because it's about to blow your mind. Oh, Dallas, why are you do? It's too early in the morning. I almost texted you at midnight last night when I was reading these, Bob, and been like, <laughs> "Dude, wait till we read the notes tomorrow." 
you wait. I almost did it. But I was like, he might actually be sleeping. I was, I was sleeping. I went to bed. I, I was up to like one doing this because I was watching movies last night. So, you know, what my priorities are. I was doing it to please the girlfriend, okay? So, well, you know, so just a quick thing. <laughs> I went, I was watching, and just so you guys uh, an understanding here, we're recording this on the 15th. So, uh, the day before, January 15th, the day before, or the night before, the, I was watching playoff football. And I knew I had to come and do this podcast, you know, do the podcast in the morning. And the uh, Chargers were playing the Jaguars, and the Chargers were winning. I believe it was twenty-four to nothing, or twenty-seven to nothing, whatever it was. They, they were killing them. So it was ten o'clock, and I was like, okay, the likelihood of a comeback here, not good. I'm tired. I might as well just go to bed. And I remember going up the stairs, and I was like, why do I feel like the Jaguars are going to win this game? I go to bed, I wake up this morning at like 5.30, I fucking check ESPN, fucking Jaguars won 31 to 30. Should have so, stayed up. I should have stayed up. Now, if it was the Vikings, I would have stayed up and kept on watching and then probably had a heart attack when they won. But normally I would have just stayed up late and been tired of it, but I just, once again, I should have just stayed up, but I wanted to be conscious and awake for this podcast. And you I was still to- late. I was still late getting up. I was just going to say, you went to bed early and you were still late. Well, I woke up at 5.30, my day off, mm. came down, I watched a Netflix documentary about a homeless guy with a hatchet. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Some story from like 2011 or whatever. And, uh, You're insane, dude. And I was, You're absolutely insane. It was like 8.30 and I told Sarah, I got to go take a nap. And I got a pretty good nap in, and then you text me at literally 9.30. I'm going to be on time today. And I'm like, the one fucking time? Really? No, usually I am. I actually thought I was going to be late, which is why I texted you that. Yeah. Um, because and I, I was... knew, and I, and so I was coming in here, getting ready, and I knew that as soon as I sat down, Titan was going to have to fucking go outside. So I waited a minute, and I heard that was a good. fucking chain dangling, and I'm like, let's fucking go. Let's get this out of the way yeah. right now. That was smart. I like that. So, sorry, continue. That's okay. Uh, well, guess what? We have big news here because Abyss and the company have come to terms on January 11th uh, about his new contract, but it was kept a secret from everyone. Now, this is why it's going to be kind of counterproductive, but we'll... We'll do this a lot. We ain't telling you Russo's here, but he is. And like, oh, Piper's here, but like, not going to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is believed that he got the raise that he asked for, uh, which is good. Uh, it makes... Good. It makes one question whether WWE really had interest in him, and they should because they are going after far less talented big guys. Uh, now, if WWE did, the idea of turning down WWE, which you know will be in business for the next several years, for TNA, very much uh, a question mark if they'll last until the end of summer, doesn't seem like a smart long-term move. So Dave is kind of criticizing the fact that if he did turn down WWE, that's not the greatest um, move on his part. but. Okay. The, the sentence there of, you know, WWE will be in business for the next several years. Like, what, three or four years? Like, you have, oh, I have a, I have a pretty good job lined up for at least three or four years. So it's like, I think WWE is financially stable enough. That'll be okay. I like that. I always like the reading these things in hindsight where it's like, TNA might not make it to the end of summer. Well, and here's the thing. 2005. They, they do that. 
or it's been like reported like that. I remember going on various dirt sheets in like 2005, 2006, 2007. Actually, you know what? Probably before they get on the spider, but. So like 2002, 2003, it'd always be like, they don't know if they're going to make it till April. But I don't know. And I don't know what's going to happen. Look back at it. It's been like, it's been six years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something crazy. is missing here on the reporting. Wouldn't it be funny though, with this abyss thing, if our boy Johnny Fairplay pulled the B-Ray 3000 and was oh. like, yo dude, WWE is looking to find the best. And then, then TNA's like, wait a minute. It's really just fair play salt again. It's just fair play. We're fucking around. And getting uh, one of the boys a, a raise. I like that. Or a contract. That'd be some good stuff. Uh, now, apparently to show what a secret it was, even Scott Hall wasn't told, and he was pretty mad about this, uh, since it had to do with his match. Because remember, he came out after his match. So right. virtually guess. nobody in the company, and it is believed that none of the wrestlers, except for probably Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy, were aware that Abyss had signed and would be on the show. I would hope Jeff Hardy would know because he's the one. That had <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Now, um, I that mostly wraps it up. But there's a we're going to kind of go into something else here um, that kind of references it. So during the afternoon, Dusty Rhodes gave what was described to be a very good motivational speech to a sure just like talent everyone. Um, so he gave uh, some sort of an analogy of cows in a herd eating grass that was supposed to convey the idea that the grass isn't always greener elsewhere. The thing that really hurt him with some people was that he went out of his way to say that they lost a great piece of talent in Abyss, since most people assumed that he was gone. Uh, they were going to be surprised anyway when he returned, but directly lying on the day that he was coming back as a surprise was a bad move that served no purpose. Uh, Rhodes also apparently talked about how the other guys, never using the word WWE, were doing really bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rhodes also told the wrestlers that he was always open for advice, probably because he had been gotten uh, a rep very quickly as the guy who didn't want to listen to outside input. He really put over a lot of the younger wrestlers described by one person as damage control because last month he got mad at guys for being mad at what? Nash, Scott Hall, and DDP were earning because they were the guys who drew the victory road by rate, uh, making others feel like they had been slighted. Uh, he said the company was a good mix of hungry young wrestlers like AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and good veterans that they could go to for advice. So, pretty fun stuff. Now, we're going to dive in to uh, probably our biggest story of today's show, and that is the Eric Watts situation. Uh, I, at- I need- Okay, so the Watts story would sound strange, except in wrestling, it really isn't. This is what Dave Meltzer says. So on January 11th, Bill Watts wrote a letter to a friend, to a few friends, largely looking for advice on how to handle a situation. In the letter, uh, he said that his son, Eric, who he is estranged from, had tried to commit suicide on January 9th by overdosing on pain pills. What the fuck? Yeah, so oh. the, okay. now don't, we're going to, because Watts is going to be responding to this too. Or Eric, Eric sorry. Eric, Eric, Eric Watts. Sorry. So the letter stated he believed his son was in denial about having a pain pill problem, and Bill's attempt to confront the issue had caused a rift between them. He's also said that Eric's rationale that he needs pain pills to wrestle was flawed. He believed that if you can't wrestle without pain pills, you needed to get out of wrestling. 
Now, TNA did have discussions during the week about whether Watts should wrestle Raven. Eric Watts denied everything or anything like that had happened and blamed it on his father trying to bury him and being vengeful because Eric had refused to write a foreword in Bill's forthcoming autobiography. And uh, he kind of, there's other stuff that I kind of left out because it's just not, I don't really think it it helps necessarily our discussion part of it. It talks about the Von Erics and all this other stuff. Uh, but uh, Eric Watts at the show did admit to his marriage, which, by the way, is obviously to his real life wife, Georgie, who appeared on TNA, uh, being in trouble. And that was why he wasn't himself. Now, he did wrestle Raven and Dave, what Dave says was what was a pretty bad match to the point on the call, whether Watts should have wrestled, particularly since it was a match that really nobody cared about and could have easily been postponed another month was questioned. Watson Raven after the match said on the first spot of the match where Raven used a drop toe hold and Watts slid across the mat and to the floor. Uh, then Watts tore his trap muscle and separated his shoulder like right away in the match. And because of how everything went down, many were skeptical, skeptical and felt that it was their excuse to cover for a bad match. However, it was the first move and you could see Watts take a bad landing and grab his shoulder. Uh, a few seconds in, it's doubtful that they would have known they were going to have a bad match and planned in advance that the first spot covering for it. Now, at first, we were told Bill was going to publicly say it was a misunderstanding and play the bad guy because he wanted to keep keep uh, the matter private to begin with. However, that didn't happen, likely because Bill, who has connections in TNA, may have heard Eric was using his vengefulness as the reason for the story. And those close to Watts said Bill's reaction is he believes what he wrote he didn't want it to go public and that he believes his son was in denial. And it kind of follows up with, and uh, um, we'll talk more about some of the stuff that's going to get said here as well. But Dave says, whatever the case, this doesn't help TNA's reputation as party central. There was the Jeff Jarrett luggage at the airport being found with the pipe a few months back. Jeff Hardy's biweekly problems showing up or with showing up or showing up on time. And it's well known that he has, um, basically like you know this good relationship with jeff jarrett uh, and scott hall just being there uh jeff hardy scott hall and sean waltman who is expected to be brought back when he's mentally ready to make the commitment i'll mention that uh, i think during the show probably today and billy gunn who we've heard rumors that will oh. be starting soon road dog and the late mike lockwood were all wwe drug casualties finding uh solace elsewhere TNA flies so underneath the radar that it won't be a public problem, but there are human issues that need to be addressed. If what Bill Watts believes to be true is the case, one really questions the idea of putting Eric in the ring for a meaningless match. What was the uh, the injury? The, what, the arm? He separated his shoulder and tore his uh, trap, I believe they said. That, that could potentially uh, explain the poor choke slam. Oh, the... Ch- that's a really good point about the choke slam. Mm. Yeah, I thought you had said the, the show that I wanted to make sure. Yep. So, yeah, this is kind of crazy. Well, the idea that all this is because he didn't want to write the forward for his book is kind of uh, insane. The fact that, well, because it's, it's interesting that, and I guess I didn't know, that he was estranged from Bill. I did not know that either. And so the fact that that is the case, and if he didn't want to r- do that, I wouldn't be completely surprised if he's just trying to kind of start shit. If any of that is were to be true, that he's taking um, 
pain medicine or whatever he's, he's, not, he's addicted to <clears throat> pain medicine to wrestle. I would agree with Bill that you should probably just shouldn't wrestle. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't seem to be a smart thing. If he were to have attempted suicide on the 9th, which would have been like the week of the pay-per-view, right? I mean, yeah, pretty yeah. close to it. Uh, yeah, right? The 14th? Yeah, 16th, no, 16th of the pay-per-view. So, but, so, so that Monday, or that the previous Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's literally within, like... Within a week. Um, while, you know, it is under the radar, you know, impact is under the radar. But if you were to have that happen... And you know you're you you're having this guy work. It would have came out with just hooked on pills or whatever. While they are under the radar, I think it would have it would have been something. No, I think so too. Yeah, definitely. You know damn well somebody on CNN would have been like, "Whoa, former pro wrestler or pro wrestler dead." Because, you know, and it'd be a whole fucking thing. Oh yeah. Yep, definitely. But uh, yeah, dude, really crazy situation here. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see if we hear more more about it. But um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect this one <laughs> when I was doing notes today. No, I I'll, t- I'll tell you that. You saying that we had major news on Eric Watts? I I thought he was going to get divorced or something, and then you're just like, nah, dude. He tried to kill himself, and his father and him are estranged, and uh... and then he wrestled Raven. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and, and he got showed off the stage through a table. That's right. Yes, he did. And he's hooked on pain pills, and we're doing that. Oh, oh, allegedly. Potentially, allegedly. Allegedly, not necessarily true. That could just be his father bad mouthing. Right. But if he's, if it's true, then we're booked in that. I mean, what are okay. okay. crazy? Uh, well, let's let's dive into uh, Dave's breakdown of the show, and then I have a few more things I want to talk about during or before the show because I have stuff to talk about during the show, and I didn't want to overwhelm us trying to talk over every single match. Very overwhelming news, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. Dave says here that TNA drew its biggest crowd to date in Orlando with very little local promotion. They had 875 people to show which Bob gave us that number last week when he found it, thank God. Uh, packed into the studios like sardines with many standing as it was set up for about 700. They also apparently turned away about 400 people and there was a long line of people waiting to be let into the show that would be allowed in uh, and would be allowed in because some left early. Uh, more impressive than the number was the atmosphere and how it looked. They drew more people most weeks in Nashville and that was often an enthusiastic crowd, but this comes across so much classier due to its location. So but there was a shit ton of people who wanted to come to Final Resolution, which is pretty cool. Now, if I was a Dixie Carter, Jeff Jarrett, <coughs> excuse me, and I'm drawing 800 fans, eight, well, 875, let's just say 900, free of charge, aside from like the park uh, entrance. So I'm making nothing off the gate. And then I have to turn turn away 500. And I have not advertised. In total, you're looking at what? About 1,400 fans that probably would have been in there. Roughly. Yeah. 
And if you were to advertise even just a little bit, you probably could get more than that. More than that, two thousand paid. Paid. Assuming that, I mean, what I know we looked at the the price of admission for the park. So people are paying that to get into the park to then go to this attraction. So if you were to have that ticket price just to get into a different venue for your show. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But we're well, we're not doing that for pay-per-views. TV, I understand. TV, keep it there, whatever. But you could absolutely find, and the, and the perfect example is like the ECW arena. You can fit 1,800 people in there. In 2005, you could easily fit 15 to 1,800. You could find several places that are equal to that, equal to that size, and then get your full amount. Now, I'm sure they don't want to have to pay for the travel and everything, but I guarantee you, if you did the proper amount of research and, and mm-hmm. advertising, <clears throat> that the live audience from the ticket sales, the merch, whatever, is going to balance it out. Right. And it's going to look better on television. It makes, it makes you feel like a bigger deal than what you are doing now. Yeah, no, I agree for sure. But we're not, and we're not doing that. I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's really kind of crazy when you think about it. But you know, maybe they just didn't think they could. I don't know. Weren't willing to well, take the, the risk. The only to... way, exactly. The only way that you can't do something is if you don't do it. That's right, Bob. That's Bob's motivational quote for the week, right there. That's right. Listen to Bob. Okay, let's uh, let's break down some of these matches here that happened. Uh, he does have even notes about the dark matches, which is kind of fun. Um, which uh, I'm just going to say because it, we kind of got mis- misinterpreted last time. Because according to Dave, the Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens defeating Sonny Saki and Johnny B. Bad, they didn't use a chair. They used a chain and got the pin. I don't know if that's actually – I don't know who made a typo, what I read before or not. But Steven, uh, Stevens knocked out Siaki to get the pin there. Uh, he also notes that during the Chris Candido and Cassidy Riley match, uh, Candido won with a diving headbutt, and he looked good and got a strong reaction. So I have a feeling he's going to be sticking around. He's been looking. He has looked very good. Right. Uh, he says here for the Conan and BG James and Ron Killings defeating Daniels, Michael Shane, and Kazarian, eight minutes twenty one seconds. A uh, good way to open the show is three left crew is just about the most overact in the promotion. He gave this match two and three quarter stars. There's no way. There's no way they're the one of the most overacts. There's no way. I don't oh, know. Fans love them. Fans love them. Yeah, he notes the show long angle with Trinity Tracy and Johnny Fairplay. Uh, he said it was stupid and pointless. Um, but interesting note that kind of follows along with this is uh, they get to stay, or you know, so it was a tie, so both of the women get to stay, and uh, fair play is gone, and they had to hunt for the clue. It was in the hat in the office, blah blah blah. We covered it last week. Good stuff. Uh, Rhodes told the two women to each get a tag team together. That we've never right? seen. And the guys can't be on the TNA roster. No, and we've Dusty never said. Seen them. Well, hold that thought. Dusty said that. However. Um, whoever guys win the tag match, that girl gets dusty. And Dave says, I'm serious about this. Now this, <laughs> get dusty? do they get to be with dusty as a secretary? Oh, okay. I thought it was as a relationship. I get no, it, they're teasing that too. Actually. They're, they're definitely suggesting. Um, now this was said to be the opening 
God, I hope this is wrong, Bob. I really yeah, hope this is you wrong. Me right this is said to be the opening for Ron and Don Harris to return as a team and face two Florida indie guys who may be Bruno Sass- Sassy and Big Till, as both were backstage at the pay-per-view in a regular team. And we'd only heard one of the teams that originally... Uh, and we'd only heard one of the teams would have a guy named Bruno. So, Bob, if this is fucking true, and in 2005, we got to see the Harris brothers again? <laughs> be fucking kidding me. Give them we'll the tag stretch, baby. Let's go. Dude, there's no way. There is absolutely no way. I want... Oh, my God. So, do we know who, like, the Harris brothers would be with? Does it say, like... Uh, no. No. I bet you, I bet you they would be with... I want to say Trinity. They feel like they'd fit better with Trinity, but... Well, because we don't know the Florida team. We don't know who they are, really. I'm thinking, I think that... I think maybe they'd be with Tracy because of the, the black shirt security. The, the baby. Yeah. Kind of and then they'd end up, yeah, they'd win and stay. You know, again. Right. So I would think that, and then Trinity would have the random team that no one knows about. But what if, like, they did this and the Harris Brothers turned heel and we get a really great program, finally, between the Harris Brothers and America's Most Wanted, leading to a cage match, maybe in April. I don't know. I'm ignoring that. So, and I have a feeling you're teasing something and I don't like it. So, uh, this tag team match may be added. Okay, thank God. Thank God. Uh, This tag team match may be added to the February 13th pay-per-view. Now, as for Fair Play, who was originally told Trinity was losing, and he was, but he was told that he was losing, and that he would be brought back in a few weeks. Uh, his contract for a hundred thousand dollars for twenty six days and one year expires in a few weeks. So the idea that he's getting a renewal is mind boggling. So there's a rumors that he's actually going to be brought back here, right? Although they are going to try and negotiate his per show price down to stay. We're told the original plan is fair play would be gone, but now, uh, because <laughs> because they believe fair play has another reality show coming, not to mention an appearance on Hollywood Squares, as if that means anything. Uh, plus, apparently Dusty Rhodes likes him, and maybe more, Rhodes knows that Dixie Carter likes him. It is likely that he will be brought back. And Dave just ends that one with mind-boggling. <laughs> Which well, is crazy. Hollywood Squares is a fairly popular show. Oh, maybe he will. I, I'm sure you did. I bet it was fun. It was. I think I've only I've seen so little of it that I really don't even remember. I think they should bring it back. Maybe they should. At Game Show Network. There we go. Uh, Elix Skipper, Elix Skipper pinned Sanjay Dutt in 10 minutes and 12 seconds uh, with a hot with a hot shot and spinning rock bottom after Dutt missed the Hindu press. Uh, he talks pretty highly about this, and he says, good stuff and hot crowd. Three and a quarter stars he gave that match. It was pretty good. Uh, he says that Kevin, just for men, Nash, with his new hair color. <laughs> Which we noted. Yeah, uh, and, and he does say to his credit, it cut a good 15 years off his television age as he looked in his late 30s instead of early 50s. Well, he told the truth uh, in a backstage segment. He told DDP that he doesn't want to work hard and he just wants to do as little as possible. So hold that thought. 
Uh, Dustin Rhodes pin kid cash in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. It went a little long, but a solid match. Two and a quarter stars. He gave that one. Eric Watts pinned Raven in 10 minutes and 19 seconds. Watts evidently got hurt in the first spot. Uh, there was also apparently rumors that he suffered a concussion in his January 8th match in uh, Columbus, Georgia, which would have been another good reason not to be wrestling. Um, so Raven apologized after the match, said he wanted Watts as a friend. He didn't believe him. As soon as he turned his back, Watts was going back. Raven clocked him in the head with a garbage can, knocking him off the stage to the table. He gave that match one star. Well, would you say that the first three matches were perhaps maybe the greatest consecutive matches in the three consecutive matches in American pay-per-view history? No, we're not at those yet. Well, three. I guess if it was a, tr- oh, a three. Oh, three. I mean, I've, I've heard two and a quarter, three and a quarter. You didn't hear the star ratings. We are not getting, we're not done yet. You wait. So Jeff Hardy pinned Scott Hall in five minutes, 42 seconds with Roddy Piper as the ref. Piper looked way overweight when he took off his leather jacket, which is just silly. I hate when he says this shit, but I'd like to bring it up to point out the fact that I think it's just silly. He's also like an old man, but whatever. Uh, look, he literally couldn't. I didn't even highlight this part, but in his physical shape with his bad hips, he can do very well. He can't very well do a lot of cardio. That's what he says. Anyway, um, after the match, Abyss ran out. And laid out Hardy uh, with a rack drop and a black hole slam. And apparently this is so they can go back to their originally scheduled TLC program. That was rumored before Abyss left, remember. Right. He gave the Hall and Hardy match one star. Monty Brown won the three-way over Nash and Page to earn a title shot at Jarrett later in the show in 9 minutes 40 seconds. The match was supposed to go about 15 minutes. Uh, Nash did nothing, and I mean nothing, except looked very big. Brown was clearly the crowd favorite, uh, much more than you think, since people see DDP as a real star. Um, Nash and PDT were beating down on Brown, blah, blah, blah. We know how that all went down. So, uh, Paige and Brown shook hands after the match, showing that Paige is a good sport, even in defeat. A star in a quarter. Or, sorry, star in three quarters. So, yeah. Riveting. Riveting stuff, man. He breaks down the match a little bit more, but for our sake, I... I don't think well, we need he likes, to do. He likes to type words. He does. Since Battle Royal eliminations were legal, Rose didn't want Nash to do a job here before he starts his title program with Jarrett. He was gone in five minutes and 54 seconds. See, like, well, he, then we are going to get Jarrett and Nash program. I think it's very clear. Well, you just said it. And that's what it says in the thing. Before right? he starts, we, we're seeing it. No, I know. I'm just saying. It's very clear. Uh, Chris Harris and James Storm won the NWA tag team titles over Eric. Sorry, did I say the names right? Chris Harris, James Storm defeated Eric Young and Bobby Roode in 19 minutes and 12 seconds. These two were told to go 15 minutes, and then just as they were going through the curtain, they were told there was a change of planes and they needed to go 21 minutes because uh, Paige and Brown went home early in the elimination match. Uh, since these guys lay out their matches ahead of time, it could have been a problem, but in reality, it only made a great match that much better. Um, he basically goes on to say really some really nice stuff. Divine with his back turned, went and hit Harris with a chair, and he reversed things, and then Young took the chair shot and was pinned. I don't think he'll ever find a match this good on a pay-per-view in history that gets less votes for the best match on the show. Four and a half stars. There's no way that that match is four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. There's no way. I'd give it like three, three and a half. 
Four and a half. There's no, there's no way. The ending was really good. The closing sequence was good. Four and a half stars. The whole match is not four and a half stars. I don't know, man. I'm just saying what I what I read here. I I want to compare that to other matches that he's given four and a half stars to, and then be like, there's there's no way. Anyways, AJ Styles won the X Division uh, title over Petey Williams and Chris Sabin in 19 minutes, 55 seconds. These three had worked this match for a few weeks, and there were worked on this match for weeks, and there was just some incredible spots. But again, the crowd going nuts. As they struggled to get the title there at the end, Styles climbed up to the top rope, dove to the center. Uh, I think the idea was that he was going to grab the belt out of both of their arms as they were hanging by their legs and holding the belt while partially upside down. He actually didn't grab the belt, but knocked it loose and fell to the mat. Styles fell to the mat. He grabbed the belt for the win. Four and a half stars. Then, in the main event, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett pinned Monty Brown to keep the NWA title in 16 minutes, 17 seconds. This was probably the second best match of Brown's TNA career, besides his impact title match with Jarrett. Uh, but it simply couldn't follow the previous two matches. It also wasn't nearly at the level of their impact match, but it was too similar. In fact, it was like every Jarrett NWA title match with all the tired, predictable gimmick finishes. Uh, it was really pointless to beat Brown in this manner. Really, Brown should have lost in a fluke in the three-way, and Jeff should have had his match with Paige because Brown is the upcoming star. They mortgaged Brown's value because they thought Jarrett versus Nash is more money. They could have protected Brown, who is the company's best hope for a star that could catch on, and who was originally supposed to win the match until Rhodes changed direction while Still having him bide his time with Nash. Three stars. I got, th- I got three stars. Three stars. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm really surprised by all of that. <laughs> yeah. I think that pretty much covers our our uh, final resolution stuff. I want to try to pound through a couple more notes here just because they're there's just too much to talk about during the show. And I because I still have more. Um, but yeah, that, so final resolution, pretty good overall. Two of the best back-to-back matches in uh, U.S. pre-preview history. Uh, we we just witnessed it. We just covered it last week. It was a really great show. I would literally probably I would probably give that Ultimate X like four stars, and that tag team title match. I'll I'll just I'll even it out and say three and a quarter. There is no way that tag team title match is. Four and a half stars. <laughs> Stop being so negative, can, Bob. I cannot wrap my head around that. I'm it loving a, this. It was a good closing sequence. And I would say a, like a good match. The middle was just way too long. Like the beatdown was too long, slow. And I don't get people, oh, the storytelling, whatever. Okay, great. But there is no way. I think it's four and a half. It's just, this is just how it is, man. I don't know. And I'm not buying Jarrett Monty Brown getting three. <laughs> it was literally what felt like to be the exact impact match. And we're I mean, we should play him, we should play him back to back on the screen. And then see how it goes. See how it goes. Well, moving on. Uh, this is kind of, I mean, it kind of follows what we have been talking about, but 
if putting on a great show is directly lead to turning around a company, wrestling history would be far different than it is. Uh, so, but there are reasons uh, for some optimism in the TNA camp. While we don't have actual numbers at press time, it is said that the new TV numbers are encouraging with unconfirmed reports around the company that the 2 a.m. showing on uh, January 7th drew a 0.3 rating, and at midnight on January 8th did a 0.26 rating, both far higher than the original Friday afternoon show. They are also apparently scheduling some kind of February presence on the Best Damn Sports Show period, although the feeling is that it'll probably just be one tape match as opposed to an entire show. The bad news is that, as from uh, the TNA front, within FSN, cutting back on the show, not on TNA, on Best Band Sports Show, because in particular, they're dumping Brian Cox, who is the biggest wrestling fan on the show, um, as well as Chris Rose, who legitimately didn't like wrestling um, and who did a good job at his one match. It hurts somewhat the in-cross-promotional opportunities. So, Brian Cox is going to be off the, the Best Damn Sports Show, period, and he's the big wrestling fan, so who knows what's going to happen there. Oh, that would make I mean, yeah. That would make sense. They they play into one of the host's uh, interests, and if one of them is gone, there's no sense of... Right. Uh, there's This is a separate note. Uh, the belief is that Carters have given Dusty Rhodes six months to show progress, while the better numbers in the new slot doesn't do much for the bottom line if it doesn't translate into pay-per-view buys, and there is no indication from the response of this show that it has yet. Uh, it could keep the ownership of the group interested and believe that there is progress. So we will see. Um, and Rhodes has kind of already switched stuff around, like switching um, Jarrett and Mantel of going with Brown as the type baby face and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So six months. He's got six months, Bob. Can he do it? Can he turn it around? Well, to follow up on that a little bit, Dusty Rhodes is in complete control and almost um, a bit, he kind of can do what he wants, I guess. Yeah. Um, as he was able to convince the Carters into giving him a chance to prove that he's got the secret of turning things around. Uh, he's going to be bringing in some of his people. Janie Angle, for one, which I, if you're a fan of 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff has mentioned because she was his secretary. Um, and she's also just worked in wrestling front offices as long as Dave can remember here. Um, also worked in the XWF. Um, well, she was at the show. One of the things he's done is convince Dixie Carter that the plans to make Monty Brown the champ and build around him is now a mistake and that they're risking doing damage to him by pushing him too fast. Mm. Yeah. Some other bad news about Dusty Rhodes uh, situation here is that amazing reds contract has expired and it was not renewed. And since Dusty Rhodes has no plan for him, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, he came too back, back too fast after knee surgery and was never the same, as well as noted. So we might not be seeing Amazing Red for a, quite a, some time here. Uh, none of that really surprises me. And it is accurate that he was never really the same after his multiple knee injuries. Right. I'm not really sure what he does from the time now until we see him in down the road i don't even know is it like how long is it before we see him again is it literally like years oh yeah i'm pretty sure wow that's kind of crazy to me i think it's like four years wow that's wild and then like i don't i don't think he does or any ring of honor or... wow 
Maybe was he, had, he might have had like a job or something where he didn't need to do wrestling. Oh, it was good to good to see him while we did. We saw the peak, I guess, of uh, Red here in the exhibition. Oh, we absolutely did. I mean, his Ring of Honor stuff too between two thousand two and two thousand three. That's pretty crazy and, stuff, uh, man. Yeah, and even the stuff before Ring of Honor, like he would do on the ICW shows or mm. you know, region like right. New Jersey based stuff he does. Some crazy stuff. And he was yeah. like 18, 19 years old. That's wow. insane. That's crazy. Um, well, more bad news. Uh, I think we kind of already knew he's gone, but Pat Kenny is leaving for zero one. So he's going to uh, I did Japan. Not know he was leaving. I thought we maybe talked about the idea that he was. I can't remember. Oh, but I have he, no idea about any of that. Well, he's All going. I remember is Johnny Swinger. Yeah, I have a note about him too. Um, and apparently, That's as of two zero one, he's going to Japan. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. Carino's there. He's there friends with Carino, so. Mm-hmm. Well, as of two weeks after he asked for his release, Johnny Swigger has heard nothing back from the office. He's neither being released from his contract nor being booked, so he's officially being starved out uh, for asking. So he's just kind of sitting around. So. That's a bummer. Um, two more, and then we can get into the show, man. I'm so ready for this, but. Uh, Mark Miro did an interview this past week, and I'm only telling you this now, not during the show, because I don't know if we even see him much more. So, uh, he did an interview this past week with Alex Marvez, where he he, uh, he blames pro wrestling for the demise of his marriage with uh, Rena Miro, which is Sable, of course, if you, you don't know. Uh, he says, "quote This is a really crazy business. It's one built out of deceit. You have to make people believe that what they see is real, but the wrestlers end up deceiving each other more in their own matches." It's kind of sad. People in the world of wrestling approach it like we're all characters on the road. And there are a lot of drugs, chicks, and temptations. Uh, that is no uh, conducive to a strong marriage. I don't know how any couple, or I don't know any couple that has made it through this. So he's, uh, it's kind of sad, really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, he pretty much blames wrestling on that. So is he blaming wrestling for the temptations of like women and stuff that he maybe indulged in? I don't know if he necessarily says that. I don't think that's why the marriage ended. Well, here's my is it? I don't know. I don't know. I, well, she ends up with like Brock Lesnar. So. Uh, yeah, which he tells the story. As soon like, as he saw Brock Lesnar, he was like, oh, "I get it." I yeah. Get it. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm not gonna fight you, dude. You're. I'll send it to her. No big deal. Right. But here's my thing. So if he is maybe suggesting that he had indulged in anything, let's just look at this from the perspective of something as shallow as looks and not personality. You have somebody like Sable. Sable. Say no more. And you're going to be tempted. Even the word tempted. When Sable. Shouldn't even with Sable. Should probably not be in your vocabulary. <laughs> you know, that'd be like like him like backstage yeah. at TNA. Like, oh damn, man, Tracy in that lower backpack, dude, <sighs> looking pretty fucking. Okay, better. Bob, listen, and, do not knock you, Tracy. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm using it as an example. Look at Tracy with that lower backpack, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would be like Mark. You're married to a Playboy playmate, Sable. Remember her? The smoke show? Remember her. <laughs> what, are you ta- what are you doing? And I'm saying Trinity. Any of them. 
SoCal Val, who debuted. That's right, dude. Big debut at Final Resolution. Yeah, like Mark, what are we, what are we talking about? Now with Sable, I feel like Mark Merrill is a, he's a, an attractive man. He's a handsome fella. I'd be like, Rena, you got Mark. Look at Brock Lesnar. This guy lives on a farm. What are you talking about? He's going to have a sword in the middle of his chest that will look like a penis. <laughs> you want to be looking at that forever? Maybe she did. I don't fucking hey, fun, fun fact. Uh, my aunt used to live, I think, above Mark Miro and Sable. Oh, yeah, I think you told me that. You know, uh, it was, was pretty fun. Well, every time I hear, like, oh, you know, Rena and Brock, I'm always like, how the hell would they even get together? And then I forget. But they were both on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Like a year. Or even shorter, really. So, I mean, that's that's probably how they got hooked yeah, up. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, but I always forget that. Like, oh, yeah, Sable did come back. and Oh, yeah, Brock Lesnar was there. Right. So, um, Bob, I have one final note, and then we can finally get into Impact. Like I said, I knew this was going to be a longer one. Um, but, hey, this is good stuff. Um, regard- this is regarding Sean Waltman. And once again, this is just one of those things where I just don't know a good spot to talk about it in the show. So uh, Waltman himself has said he's not really sure what he's going to do. He said he's been told Jerry Jarrett is waiting for his call and that Jeff has called him. Uh, He said that he has to make sure he'd be mentally right. Um, He said that as long as he has the turmoil going on with China, uh, he doesn't want to start a new job regarding WWE, which is paid for his rehab. He said he simply can't do four days a week anymore. Uh, he could wrestle for them in smaller doses if they wanted him back. So we will uh, we will see what happens with Sean Woolman. I don't know when we see him again, so I guess we'll see. Well, here's the thing. Kudos to Sean Woolman for kind of maybe being the opposite of the alleged Eric Watts situation, where he is aware. Of, like, listen, I cannot wrestle four or five days a week. And that he right. Has- mentally in the right spot now I, now that you mentioned <clears throat> waltman just like i mean I, I don't really know when we're gonna see him either i haven't looked ahead or or anything in my <clears throat> memory of this time frame for impact is not necessarily the greatest but you know when he's there um when you know uh, brother man and bischoff when they come into the company in like 2010 right it's brother not, man brother man it's uh, it's not a, it's not necessarily a great run when uh, with the band. Now that's 2010. Now I've recently seen some stuff shared on Twitter, and maybe you have seen it as well. We should, we tend to follow the same pages. Uh, highlights of a match between him and El Generico from 2011 for Shikara. I can't remember <laughs> if I saw it. But... The highlights look incredible. So, I just wanted to point out. So, you know, six is there for a few months in 2010, and it's not great. He's gone. I think even before Scott left, and then within a year, he's having arguably banger matches with El Generico and Shakara. Sean Wallman is He's nuts. He. Is just an incredible fucking story. 
because even like when he would work for two CW and stuff, like, he would have good matches. He's yeah. a guy that uh, like was ahead of the curve, like ahead of the style in the early nineties. You know, on Raw's ninety three, he's doing moonsaults and all the bullshit. And you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, how is this happening? And then he maintained that even as like people kind of like caught up to him. So I, I saw the highlight thing and I, I want to watch that match with him and Al Generico because it looks insane. Oh, you got something new to review then. I don't know if I'm going to review that. I might just watch it. But uh, Okay, that's good too. It was, it was just, it was incredible. I thought it was really, really fascinating. It, it, Wallman has had many ups and many downs, but he always finds a way to get back up again. And now he's... He's been sober for a while, I believe, and I think that he deserves a lot of uh, a lot of praise and credit for being a a good story uh, in professional wrestling. Good stuff, man. That's all, really. It's true. It's good. I'm, I, I'm I, given a, a heartfelt message to Sean Waldman and you just go that's good man it's good I you said something scold, you scold me for saying Tracy Brooks lower back tattoo when it comes to Mark Merrill potentially maybe cheating on Sable with her okay okay now you're and ironically I I might I think Sable might have also had a lower back tattoo uh yeah. and during her run with Victoria and stuff so I do think I, I can't, say I can't quite remember Bob I'll have to I, do some research <laughs> Off air research. We'll get back to you guys. We'll see. Um, all right. It's finally time, folks. It's, it's been, time, man. It's been like an hour. Uh, yeah, it's uh, quite quite the intro to get to this uh, January twenty first. Well, here's the thing. Everything you said that there wasn't really like a like. Oh, you didn't really need to tell me that. Uh, there's a lot of information there that context and. Dude, that's what I mean. And I got a few more things, a little less important things to talk about during the show. But looking at it again, and then next week, (laughs) uh, next week will be a little bit lighter. It's just how the way these. That's how it always. And there'll be stuff, but it's going to be lighter. That's how it usually was with Ico Apache. When we would. Well, because they were, it's the same thing. They were taped. Right. So it's like we can kind of break it up a little, but with the pay-per-view and stuff like that, you know how it goes. All right, let's get into the January 21st, 2005 edition of TNA Impact. Uh, as Dallas has said, we are four weeks out from Against All Odds. It's fucking crazy. So uh, let's, uh, I wonder, I mean, if we're only four weeks out, I have to imagine that the card for that show will materialize probably pretty quickly. Yeah, I already even have rumor stuff, but I'm afraid that, it's almost a spoiler to this first taping. So I wanted to wait until I, I think we're, if it doesn't show stuff on this episode, we're going to talk it next week because then he corrects stuff. He said, so we're going to, okay. we'll, we'll wait. Well, as like, as Dave had noted here, it is probably going to be a Jarrett Nash title program for against all odds. Yeah, I think that's we'll see how clear. that we'll see if that is materialized and heavily focused. So let's get into the show. I'm going to count down from three. When I say play, that is when you're going to want to hit that play button. You can watch it on Impact Plus, or if it's in your own personal collection, that will work as well. Uh, the runtime for this is approximately 44 minutes and 15 seconds. 
So here we go. Three, two, one, play. Okay, do we have a new theme song? Come on. After pay-per-view, let's do it. Change the song. This past Sunday, another home run for TNA. Courtesy of TNAWrestling.com, we're getting some images, some stills from the show. Not even just stills. These are well, they are technically stills, yeah. but these are photographs. They're not like paused video. Right. I'm kind of surprised that TNA never had like a magazine. I would eat. Look at that picture of Styles. Holy crap. Dude, I would have ate up a TNA magazine. I mean, this all is, these pictures are actually pretty good. No, they're really nice. I um, but this is why I like stuff like um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and stuff. And there used to be other like random wrestling magazines were cool because you could see stuff like this in some of those. Like they didn't just cover WWE, right? Um, which I wish I was more into them uh, in the time, but I was not. That's why I liked. Uh... As a kid growing up, I'd see stuff like Memphis and stuff. I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. Scott Hall or Razor Ramon was in Memphis wrestling Jerry Lawler? Yeah, like, that's that's so cool. I wish I was more into it. Like I said, I I do have, like, a couple random, like, wrestling magazines that I got when I was, like, a kid that aren't um, PWIs. It was, like, who's next? And it was, like, I can't remember who was on the cover. It's, like, Goldberg and Chris Jericho and RVD or some stupid shit like that or something. Uh, but here we are in the impact zone. Nice crowd chat. Uh, Bob, how many people do you think are in attendance here for this taping? 750, baby. No, I wish. It actually looks a lot better than the number I have, which is 400. What? Yeah. Because uh, it's apparently pretty light here after pay-per-views. But once again, we're in a studio setting, so they know how to make it look a lot more full. But yeah, after pay-per-views, it tends to be pretty slow on the first taping, so. I did see Towel Guy. There's the Jeff Hardy guy we just saw a second ago. Mike Tanay, Don West. DW, we did it again. Knocking the ball out of the park. I love how Don just immediately goes into the cell. <laughs> In case you missed it, go to TNRWrestling.com for the... You got it. So good. That's just, his, that's just in his DNA. Cell, cell, cell. Yeah, but like so good that it's like... It's not like other like bullshit ones. Like when Don talks, I'm like, damn it, I do need to buy that. Right. Like, damn it. I, I bought it Sunday, but I might as well buy it on Tuesday, too. I, might as well, I think I might need to watch it again. Talking about Against All Odds. We have yet to see, like, an Against All Odds, like, promo video, which is surprising, because these past couple they've shown at the pay-per-view. Oh. Oh, there's a special. Oh, cop. Earlier today. Oh, there's Nash. Paul, Terry Taylor. Yeah. Oh, shit. Who's right next to Jeff Jarrett right there? He looks super familiar. The Dusty's with Tracy it and Trinity. Says, his name tag, I think, just says TNA official. <laughs> okay, guys, they're officially making yeah, it. 
They're making it official right now. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett defending against Kevin Nash. This is it. We're just saying it at the press conference. Here's the thing that blows my mind is Kevin Nash is the number one contender, but he was the first one eliminated in the three-way. That's a really good point. But wouldn't DDP, like, maybe by default be the number one contender? Fourth mega monthly pay-per-view. That's what Against Odds going to be. Listen, I like I like Jeff Jarrett. Right, we both do. However, Jeff Jarrett, I don't think is the reason that these pay per views have been huge. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's saying Kevin has other things going on in his life, but I wake up and this is what I think about, which is kind of funny because he's doing movies and all that kind of stuff, and Jarrett's like, I just do wrestling. That's all I got. This feels like I'm watching WWF in 1992. Mike yeah, Dennis, me, Gene. Dude, the way the blue curtain in the back, every small press conference. I love Nash is wearing a blazer and like a shirt underneath. It looks nice. Then you got Scott Hall next to him in a track suit. <laughs> right. He lost count how many times he's held the tag team titles. Maybe 13 times, he says. I don't know how accurate that is off the top of my head, but tag team champion—I don't. Outsiders only had it a couple times. Even WWF, he had it like twice or once. Now, now we need to know. That belt comes more money. I got some things going I, on in my life. I, I love Nash's gimmick here. He just wants money. He doesn't care. Well, it's funny because I think people know that's what he does, so that that's his character now. Some guy just asked for them to take a, a picture. They're going to have a face-to-face. Nash, or Jared gets to his chest. Holy Look shit. at this. You can't have a face-to-face. This is one of my two good sides, Kevin Nash says. Nash tried not to laugh after he said that. (laughs) You can see he wanted to chuckle. So it looks like... Well, it's done. Oh, shit. As of 2001, he held the WCW tag title nine times. He had the WCW tag title nine times? Yeah, WWF title looks like twice. The WWF world title? Tag title, I'm talking. Oh, tag title. Twice. So he wasn't too far off, really. Did he have it twice? Yeah, once with Shawn Michaels. Well, twice with Shawn Michaels. Right, well, when was the second time? 95? Yes. September 95. It looks like it lasted a day. Because it was overturned. That's right. Okay. Because it was the... All the titles on the line type of thing. And they pinned Bulldog and he wasn't in the match. Really. Oh, that's right. So it's, I would say that's once. Well, it's not. He technically had it. I bet you Jeff's the highest paid guy. He's changing. He also runs the place. So he probably does get paid more. But... Oh, DDP here. I don't know, Steve He's Austin. Got a... 
supposed to be the kings of wrestling. Oh, what's that make Cav your queen? Oh, -ho. if the shoe fits, wear it. So he's calling uh, Kevin Ash the queen now of wrestling. You just told DDP to stick around for an autograph. Um, they were just talking about money, by the way, Bob. And since they were, I have a note. Uh, top paid wrestlers in the company are DDP, Call, and Nash, all making $5,000 per show. Most, most in the company. Oh, shit. Hold on. It's getting physical. That's shove, Jarrett. Don Harris here. Blackstreet Security. Jarrett's saying your Achilles heel. Get your knee brace on, buddy. Holy shit. Okay. That was fun. This is a fun opener. Oh, we're back I, from commercial. I, mean, I, didn't hate, I didn't hate that. No, I didn't either. I just... The, the continuity of having him be the number one contender when he was the first one thrown out. I think that kind of throws... Bob, is this? Is this her big Buck debut? Quarter. Buck Quartermain making his TNA debut. I hyped now it that, up last week. Here we are. If you've ever wanted evidence of someone using steroids, go ahead and just check out Buck Quartermain from 10 years before this to now, and he's definitely been juicing it. Awesome. Uh, it looks like he's fighting off against Christopher Daniels. Who's got kind of his jacket back. No, that's the one he wore at Final Resolution. Don't get too excited. Was? Yeah. He had even the designs on the side like that? Yeah, but see how subtle it is? From the waist up, you can't even tell. Um, let me finish that note I was starting, because they were talking about money. So, Hall Nash GDP, I'll make $5,000 per show. Now, most in the company are making $300 to $1,000. The few bigger names, Rhodes, Raven, and AMW, making more than $1,000 per and Jeff Jarrett significantly more and probably uh, is with them as the highest paid since, you know, he's part owner, world champion, and makes most of the major decisions. Right. So that press conference then, just from Jarrett, Paul, Nash, and Page, would have cost him 20 grand. Eep. Dude, Quartermain whooping ass here. Okay, he goes for a leg drop off the middle rope, but uh, Daniel said, nope. Insiguri. STO. STO. One. For me. Why does he say that? I don't know. What I don't is. like, I don't know if I like that one. Last rights? Oh, there we go. That should probably do it. Oh! Quick. Winning the match with the last rights. 57 seconds. And it is, a, I mean, we just okay. saw it again on the, the screen there. Jarrett Nash, He's for official February 13th. What did he say? The gospel is about to be given. Oh. He's tired of the protection from TNA. Is that what he said? The protection. Yeah. Favoritism. Heard of the favoritism of Dusty Rhodes? Dustin Rhodes, nepotism. Here we go, Dustin. Oh. Talking to the poster boy of the company, Mr. TNA, AJ Styles. I thought he was going to go into a Dustin Rhodes promo. <laughs> wow. Are we about to be see the beginning of one of the greatest TNA feuds of all time? Maybe. Who knows? On your best day, you cannot. He said three times. You cannot. 
You cannot beat me. Here comes AJ Styles. Whoa. Have they faced off in TNA yet? No. Dude. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Dude, this is about to be some big stuff. Potentially his greatest rival. AJ Wayne, business casual. Front tucked in. I've held every belt this company has to offer. Which is three. (laughs) So what? (laughs) Really like... like, He did that within like seven weeks of the company. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, not the World Cup, but the first two. The first two he won within the first two, three shows, Bob. Three shows, I know. (laughs) I'd really like a replica of that title. That'd be really cool. Or maybe you should just buy it already. Oh, why don't you, I'll give you 10 minutes in this ring to shut my mouth. Sounds like we're uh, just got a challenge. Oh, if he doesn't beat him, he wants a title shot against all odds. Mm. Uh-oh. Here comes Dusty Rhodes with both Tracy and Trinity. Now I want to point out that Tracy is wearing a belt that AJ has not won. Oh, Dusty agrees. Okay, so they're about to fight tonight. So if he doesn't beat him in 10 minutes, Daniels gets the time. So Daniels doesn't even need to win. No. It's coming up later. Oh, we got fucking wait. Who is this? Oh, there's a poster. Oh, did you see that Against the Lots poster with Jarrett Nash and Hall? Is this Lex Levette? Lex Levette. Looking a little different here. Doesn't he usually have a goatee or something? Mm, He looks like a shorter Ryback the way on the side there. His face. His little scowl. Looks like he's facing off in Jeff Hardy. Um, I have another Jeff Jarrett note, and I don't know if we're going to see him again. So, Uh, Jeff Jarrett, regarding the photo, uh, regarding the internet photo last week that Rob Feinstein posted... He uh, Jarrett has tried to claim that he didn't know that it was him that he was posing with, which I think we actually discussed. Uh, We've heard conflicting stories on that one. But as silly as this sounds, supposedly the guy who took the photo itself, um, he basically agrees with Jarrett, Jarrett's story on it. So that Jarrett doesn't know who it is. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. by that. I definitely believe that he would not know who he is. Now, hopefully he does not work with him. Well, wait a minute. Wouldn't he maybe know who he was with the whole Ring of Honor thing? You don't think he ever met with him? That's the thing. Is it? It's kind of being said that no. Oh, Lux Levitt just slapped Jeff Hardy. Oh, okay. Listen, the story gets bigger. Lance, if you are if you are watching along, Jeff Hardy now has a white version of that shirt. We might have seen it before. I can't remember. But we saw the green one. We saw the black one. And now there's a white version. Hmm. 
Let that out the ropes, but he gets sling bladed. What? Did they just announce Jeff Hardy and Abyss? Oh. Yes, they are. With the They said a step too. They said something's it's all legal, so all legal. So it sounds like that TLC step is uh, is back. Wow. Huh. Just a fate? There you go. The lame That's stunner version. Here comes Jeff Hardy. Now remember, I remember you saying Lex Levette could have been in the new church, but uh, that does not appear to be the case. As he is swept on by, by uh, Jeff Hardy. One, two. Uh, wow, dude, we are really flying through matches today. Yeah, he did not last uh, more than a minute and a half there. I like how Jeff Hardy paints his entire body oh. for that. Oh, wait hey, a second. Abyss attacking Hardy. You know, it's funny you mentioned about the painting. I've always wondered that with like face paint, like Sting WCW, he'd wrestle a match for 45 seconds, but to probably paint his face, it took an hour. <laughs> 45 seconds. Abyss, he took out Hardy, throws Lexavette out of the ring. His lower back hitting the apron there. That probably didn't feel good. Tom, Andrew Thomas is saying, I ain't getting in there. I'm going to stop that. Look, there's, there's a, sign. a sign. Where's Amazing Red? There's, he's not there anymore. Oh. Abyss was going to leave, and now he's turned around. He said, a no. Oh, he's pulling on the table. That's going to be illegal on February 13th. And against the lots. Live on pay-per-view. Eight o'clock. He's Call your local satellite and pay-per-view providers. And if they don't have it, demand it. Abyss is definitely going through this table, I feel like. No, I think he's going to put Jeff through it. Yeah, but how far away it's from like the ring, I feel like he's going to get kicked off the apron. Well, he's already back in the ring. Well, never mind. I feel like, are we going to get a press slam or something? Jeff's fighting back. Maybe. The bell's just ringing. Andrew Thomas is like, ring that, ring that. Well, you know what's funny is Andrew Thomas is saying to ring the bell, but it looks like as if he's rooting him on. If you like had it on mute, he's like, yeah, go get him, Abyss. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, Bob I was, was jo- right. I was joking. I didn't think he was going to come over the top of the table. Wow. I was joking. That was fucking crazy. Holy shit. I was not expecting that. Wow. No, yeah, tables, ladders, and chairs. They're all legal. They can't call it that, though, right? Well, I wonder if they're going to um, coin the uh, Full Metal Mayhem name before the pay-per-view. Oh, hey, Shane Douglas. I forgot he was still there. Yeah, well, we're with America's Most Wanted. Wow. I have a Shane Douglas interview note, but let's hear what these guys have to say first. This is the greatest prize in the world of tag teams. We know how hard it is to get to the top. It's even harder to stay at the top. You say we are now the hunted. We welcome the hunt. This is all Harris talking right now. Sounds like America, the American Wolves are going to be challenging. Oh, yeah, it does. American Wolves. American, American Wolves. Wolves. Who's it? Oh, cash, cash in, in Dallas. In Dallas. 
You're out here shooting your mouth off. Shooting your mouth off on him a sixth time. He gets right in the face of James Storm. Remember one thing. Oh! Lance and I... Oh, Lance. Is Lance Lance from Twitter? Have we been talking to Dallas this whole time? I think we, uh, I think we officially got a name change. Shane Douglas trying to get between these guys. They're, they're pushing each other. Save it for against all odds. What we might have our tag team title match for against all odds Dallas, already. I'm so confused. So I'm was. You want a title shot? You got no problem. You got it. You looking for a fight? I said that's a bad idea. I kind of like that. That was. That was yeah. uh, wow. Right, so I'm assuming that his yeah. It sounds like it's going to be Lance Hoyt would be. Wow, the, dude. Okay. I wonder why. I don't know either. Oh, the Naturals. This is good. The Naturals. Um, um, here's my thing with that though. I kind of don't like it because Kakesh just lost on pay per view and now he gets a tag title match. They haven't been teaming in, like, months, it feels like. Yeah, it is kind of a weird choice, but I guess you kind of need a... I don't know. I, I don't would know. rather, like, the Naturals get a freaking... Or what about this team right here? They just, they uh, just, or Michael Shane guys. and Frankie exactly. Kazarian. Or these guys. What are we doing? I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Hey, uh, I, got, I got a few things to say here, actually, for this note-wise. But uh, Kazarian, welcome back to Impact Wrestling. It's 2023. He has signed a deal, which is pretty exciting. Learned from Hard to Kill. Yeah, got demoted, and uh, he's happy um so shane douglas interview on between the ropes radio he said after 23 years he missed being in the ring but at the same time he'd always been critical of guys who stuck around too long and didn't want to be one of them he, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also put over michael shane pd williams bobby Roode, and sanjay dutt as great tna workers and enjoyed getting it who also enjoyed getting advice from him and other veterans okay well it's funny you say that he didn't want to stick around because i literally yesterday Came across a YouTube channel for a independent wrestling company. I don't know where they are, but it was, I think, within the last year. And they uploaded a match where Shane Douglas was wrestling. And it was in a venue where there was maybe 35 people in attendance. Well, I'll say this, though. And Shane Douglas did the clean job. So, Wow. I will say this, though. He's not sticking her too long around on television. No, I think he does because he does wrestle again on television. Okay, you're just ruining the whole thing right now. So <laughs> anyway, um, you know how Jeff Hammond has been rumored to be getting in the ring soon with that training video we saw a few weeks back. Yeah, well, on Twitter he said he didn't even know that there was like pictures of it. I know but it's just pretty cool. No, you know, it was a video. Yeah, there's a video. Uh, well, he that match might be taking place at against all odds February. 13th and he will apparently be teaming with road dog to take on michael shane and frankie kazarian uh, stevens takes out michael shane and before uh, speak, well hang on speaking of frankie kazarian he does have one indie note because don't worry oh, folks that, i am that's what i, I was about am, to say i am doing it i was well, about I to say it's, it's probably not the same thing no i was gonna say before i remind you about indie notes but go uh, ahead do the indie notes yeah. uh back on december 17th of 2004 which is, uh, this is the fir first time on TV we've seen him since before then, I guess. Uh, he lost to, that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best, just incredible, for Fusion Wrestling 
in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And if you're wondering what is fusion wrestling, Paul Dallas, fusion wrestling is the short-lived promotion that was ran by Rob Feinstein. Oh. Uh, And on that show, it also featured Scott Hall defeating Marty Jannetty. Wait, look at Lance Hoyt. They even just said it. And Kid Cash are beating down Chase Stevens. And now uh, this match ends in a DQ. Now they're going after Andy Douglas. Douglas cut his hair. It does look shorter. It's wicked shorter. Uh, And if you're wondering about, hey, what is Amazing Red up to? On that same Fusion show, as now they're attacking Michael Shane and Kazarian in the ring. Uh, the SATs, which was Joel and Jose Maximo, defeated Fuego Guerrero and Ultimo Dragon. And Fuego Guerrero is, in fact, the Amazing Red. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, and so X-Pac was on that now. show, too. Oh, wow, dude. Morning. Here comes America's X-Pac. Most Wanted. He defeated Brian XL, Justin Idol, and Sanjay Dutt on that fusion show. At the Rexplex. I think that's the only show. So we're we're directly putting Kid Cash and Lance Hoy into the tag team eye again with them beating down the other tag teams that we have. So I guess I don't hate it as much now. But well, I would. Well, I guess it's two on two on two. I would have just said maybe make it a four a four way tag match. They're all brawling. Mm. I mean, I guess they could make it that, right? They definitely still could. We got three more weeks. Right. Brawling up on the uh, the stage now, AMW with Cash and Hoyt. And Kid Cash and Kazarian and the Naturals being broken up here. Stage over on this side has the has the stuff around it still. That that was like put up, I believe, at Final Resolution, and it's still there. Like the little outline thing. Yeah. Wow, pretty crazy. There, there's one of the Harris brothers. That seems important to know. Dallas, this show is flying by. Holy crap. Who's who's coming out now? Talking about surprises. Talking about the victory by Eric Watts. Cassidy Riley. Cassidy Riley, okay. Let's see, what's this thing say? Yeah, it is. Cassidy Riley. Cassidy Riley. The O is dropped. He's gone. So he's being featured again. This is, oh, he's fighting Raven, though. Talking about Eric Watts' separated shoulder. Pain. He's written on Raven's chest. Pain. I like Raven's weird jacket that he comes out with. You just love Raven. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty great. Raven did commentary for a False Cotton Newer match at Hard to Kill. He did? How that Com- commentary is not his strong suit, but you don't think so? Because he was good on commentary uh, like 20 years, like 30 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I it OK, so he did it recently. I think it was the last time he did it was Slammiversary or something. And like that one was like really not good. Or no, not Slammiversary. It was like one of the a different show. But regardless, it was like uh, this one was better than that. But he, he did as Johnny Polo, he was actually pretty good. People online were not happy because he kept saying stuff like, wow, I hope someone gets hit by a car. 
Oh my god. Because they were fighting like on a road. They literally went like outside. Wow. I thought it was hilarious that he said that, but uh Raven just said his patented uh knee off the uh... Oh miscommunication right there. It's all right. Snap there. Grabs the legs. What's he gonna do? Twist him over. It was ankle almost lock. as if he didn't know how to put the ankle lock on. Yeah, that was a weird. He's not about to win with this, is he? No way he's about to win with a fucking ankle lock, right? Casey Rice still stands up, twist him around. Oh, even flow, Raven effect. Oh. oh him up. One, two, nope. Pull him up Keeps pulling one. him up. There you go. Oh, and now Three. he beats. <laughs> okay. Pull him up a couple. Oh, is he going to break his fingers? Yep. And that's oh. What if Cassie Riley was like, dude, just shoot, break my fingers? Maybe. <laughs> I'd throw up. Oh, God. Why is he doing that? I don't know. Raven's gone metal. Way over the top. Oh, He's grabbing a chair now. Chair. Great. He didn't even have to do He did an ankle lock and a DDT. Who's this? Oh, it's Dustin, Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> the way he just took the hat off was wicked yeah. funny. We're about to like, set up for a Dustin Raven feud. Dustin's not backing down, but he's still on the floor. Not... They're saying Dustin had an incredible match at Final Resolution with Kid Cash. Oh, his song is so bad. It's so bad. It sounds like the music on a Sega Genesis game that you. Play. Yeah. Three Live Crew backstage with Shane Douglas. Notice Conan's Puerto Rico uh, bandana. There's a note I'm not reading because it's literally pointless where Dave goes, he might be switching up his gimmick <laughs> because of the bandana. So I guess I just told you it, but I wasn't going to. Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you got a problem with Jeff Hammond. I might have spoiled this. Tree-hugging, long-haired hippies. Jeff Hammond is a winner. He's a thrill-seeker. Is Jeff Hammond a winner? Because last time they did this, they said about Hermie, and he, in fact, was not a winner. For love God, Jeff Hammond, please. Please underestimate the athleticism of Jeff Hammond. He's champion. Okay. Okay. But don't underestimate the three life crew. How can I get a amen? So I don't know if it's now or if it's <laughs> later. But Jeff Hammond does appear to have won something. Won what? Like he's like he's like one. Oh. So he may be a winner. He was a crew chief winner. Oh. Uh, well, Jeff Hammond Jeff is not Hammond on commentary is, okay. here. Jeff Hammond is a winner. Oh. Um, I got a few quick things I want to knock through here because I think we're about to go into our main event. Uh, Shark Boy is opening up a wrestling school, so that's fun. Uh, Sanjay Dutt's contract apparently has expired, but his pay-per-view appearance indicates that he has been re-signed. 
And I don't know if we discussed this, but um, Alvarez reports that Bill Barons went up to Stanford to negotiate uh, with them in regards to running the developmental territory. They didn't come to terms. He went back to Florida, and TNA has released him. They released who was it? Bill Barons. I can't remember if we discussed that already or not. Well, I remember there was rumors that he may be going to WWE. Right. So now that didn't work out, and now he's fired. <laughs> oh, look, it, they just announced that pay-per-view tag match that I thought was a rumor, so my bad. Um, also, another fun note, Roddy Piper will be going to England from February 14th to the February 19th to co-host the UK television show for ITV1, tentatively called Celebrity Wrestling. Uh, the format is to have Joe E. Legend and D'Lo Brown will be coaching and training two teams of celebrities and have them do wrestling matches and interviews. What was the name of that show? Celebrity Wrestling. We'll have more uh, on that soon. Earlier this week on Impact. Earlier today. Seeing that Abyss table spot again. Hey, I got one final note I can just tell you right now. Remember those mystery vignettes we've been watching, Bob? Yeah. Well, the mystery guy in Impact that they are doing the videos announcing his arrival is Titus, which we knew. It's Ryan Wilson. Um, he may be given a new ring name. Rhodes' idea for him is to going to be the Gothic Ultimate Warrior. Oh, my God. No fucking way. <laughs> um, he, he did ask him to come up with a name. Here comes Christopher Daniels, by the way. He asked him to come up with a name, and he went to Conan and BG James for ideas. Uh, somebody came up with Primus, which Dave says he doesn't even know what that means. Uh, Conan joked about how it should be dark green because he'd be wearing a green costume. And Dave says, I think he really meant because he's so green, like in the yeah. ring. Uh, James then said, how about dark match? Because that's where he belongs. As James was injured in a dark match by him a few months back. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna just quickly. Actually, these indie notes for Daniels and Styles, uh, ironically. Ooh, look at the all white Styles is wearing. Of them because they were involved in the same match. He looks great in that, by the way. That's uh, awesome gear. All right, so back on January eighth, AJ Styles teamed up with Kevin Steen to defeat Christopher Daniels and Excess for EWR in Quebec City, Quebec, Canada. That match went almost 34 minutes. On January 15th, which was, that's the day before, right? The day before, yeah. fire mm -hmm. Um Christopher Daniels retained the 3PW Heavyweight Championship in a four-way dance when he defeated AJ Styles, Chris Saban, and Slick Wagner Brown in 18 minutes and 57 seconds at 3PW's The Show Must Go On. And that was, of course, at the ECW War Games. Oh, Larry Zabisco is in attendance. Well, we don't need a judge in the match because, um, you know, he just got to last the 10 minutes. Bob, I have a random idea, and I don't know if this is true or anything. This is pure speculation on rumors that we've been reading. Right. Jeff Hammond is teaming with BG James. Okay. It happens to be BG James' former tag team partner has been rumored to be coming in. See where I'm getting? Are you suggesting a bait and switch or something? I am. 
I'm very much thinking that we're going to see Billy Gunn instead of Jeff Hammond wrestle. Really? That is my idea. Really? You don't think they would promote? I guess, you know what? Maybe they wouldn't. They want to do the surprise. Put it this way. If TNA does what they've been doing, promoting exciting and like matches that you want to see Nash Jarrett, some people are going to be like, I got to watch it for that. If you add the, if you surprise them with Billy Gunn, then the people who didn't watch it will might be like, Oh shit. Like I should have checked that out for that surprise. Or if you already bought it, then you're excited. Cause you're what, you know what I mean? So I think you don't need to nice dropkick by styles. By the way, that's if you follow that's along, interesting. we are 36 minutes, 42 seconds into the show. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh, shit. I don't see. I never understood the backbreaker on the floor. It changes nothing. But Daniel sent uh, Styles into the railing and then delivered a. After he flew off the apron at him. Right. That was I, nice. You know what? I'm, I'm really trying to wrap my head around that idea of Billy Gunn. And I would have never thought that if we didn't hear these rumors. Well, because the draw would not. I mean, Jeff Hammond wrestling is not a draw. A well, that's what I mean. Makes much sense. We are just about, hold on, five minutes left in this match. Daniels just needs to essentially survive five more minutes and not lose. And he gets a title shot. He doesn't well, even have to win. Right, and Hammond is has noted that on commentary. He just mm-hmm. noted that. So credit to Hammond for telling the story here. <laughs> like Dude, that. I think in the beginning, Jeff Hammond, it was kind of like, uh, why is this guy here? I've I've come to like not hate his his like takes on commentary as much. He's providing some input here, analysis that is enhancing the show. I think once he got used to the show a little bit more. It has significantly helped, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, What would you do here? Would you just have Daniels last or. Dare I say it, would you have Daniels just maybe be. Hmm. I don't think there's any way that they're promoting this that AJ would win. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't know if I'd have him win just for the fact that. I feel like that that means he's automatically going to lose at the pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, he pinned the champion. What's he going to do? So that's the only reason I don't want him to win. I sort of wish they set this match up for next week, though. Did the segment. Then it was like next. Because they when they did that with the Daniels-Saban match, it was like a two-week story, right? So they had Daniels attack him, and then the week after they had the match. I like that. I feel like they should have done that. Because what are we going to do for the next three weeks to promote this match more? Maybe next week will be uh, 15 minutes. Those keep getting longer. 40. And then by the fourth week, it's, it's a 40-minute match. It's the whole you have to beat me in 45 minutes at Against All Odds. Under three minutes. Oh, AJ Black ducks a clothesline. Snap there. Inseguri. Both on.
That's not a unique move. Tonight is called an insecure a unique move as if it's never been seen before. <laughs> Under two and a half. Oh, they're both up. Clothesline by AJ. Another clothesline. AJ does have a good clothesline. Spinning heel kick that he completely Whoa. missed. But we'll see what he has it. AJ's going to the apron. Springboard. Four. Oh. That looked really good. That was really awesome. That was a very, and that was a great camera shot, too. Boy. Yes, it was. One, two, kick out by Daniels. We're under two minutes. You could just feel like the crowd anticipation here as we got to under two minutes. Yeah. Like, can he do it? Like, the pace is different. Like, he. Moonsault it's almost like AJ's kind of panicking that he wants to beat him. And he is. He's starting to pick up. He's starting to do crazier moves. and Which I think gives Daniels you know, credibility here. That AJ does want to beat him. He doesn't maybe want to have to defend the title again. Right. Blue Thunder Driver. Nice. No kick out. See, I, but agree it is with, nice. I, I, I agree with you about Daniels not beating him. Because if he does beat him, then the booking one-on-one would be that he wouldn't lose. I really like that he is trying to pit him, though, too. So they're not he's sure. not just being like the coward of, like, I just right. got to run out of time. I'm actually trying to beat him, too. Right. Guys, I was, I was going to say at the nine-second mark, just go outside the ring, and then you win by default. Right. Uh, we are under a minute, but Styles just knocked him down with the clothesline. We have a double down here. Pretty Charles counting. 40 seconds left in the match. One, two, no, Daniels kicks out again. Under 30 seconds. Oh, roll up. No, Daniels was able to get out of there. 15 seconds. Going for a backslide. One, two, Nope. 10, 10 seconds. JB's over the announcer, too, to get the crowd even more hype. Daniel's now rolling away because he knows he, what he has it. to do. Three, Hold two. It. He's got it. He's, he's laughing. laughing. He's laughing. Daniel survived that. the 10 minutes. That's just smart. He, that, that was just well done. That was well done. He was trying to be him the whole time, and then he got to a point where it's like, listen, I can just hold out and I win. Daniels grabbed the mic from JB. Ten minutes have elapsed. Now give me the title shot at the pay-per-view. Okay. I'll do okay, it. I guess so. Here comes Dusty with his ladies. And whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. We want to see it. All right, Chris Daniels. Against all odds. He's given him the opportunity. The X Division title. Oh, me and the girls came up with this. Oh, baby. One 30-minute Iron Man match. Bob. Well, why would is... he say one thirty minute? I don't what, know. Why would was there going to be two? 
30-minute Iron Man match? I don't know, but a 30-minute Iron Man match between Styles and Daniels at Against All Odds. I am pretty excited about that. Okay, so here's my thing with Iron Man matches. They are very difficult for me to get into. Now, there have, there have been some very good Iron Man matches. WrestleMania 12, not one of them. <laughs> but there have been good ones. Yeah, but also um, 30 minutes is way more doable. Right. I'm, I'm definitely more referencing 60 minutes as being difficult. 30 minutes is not as sufferable if it's not good. But for us, you know, when we watch the show now, it, it will take me out of it because 15 minutes, 20 minutes into it, it does not matter what has happened. Right. You know, if AJ gets a pin six minutes in, that pretty much means nothing. No, you're right. Until the next, you know, 23 minutes goes by or 24 minutes goes by. Uh, and like that, like an hour is like, it does not matter what has happened. The only thing that matters is like the final two minutes of the match when you kind of get an idea of like what's going on. One of my favorite Iron Man matches is a, from our local indie 2CW where Ice's effects fought Spike Dudley and he won the match 23 to 2. <laughs> and he won it 20, 23 to 2 because uh, you know, he got pinned by Spike once and then he hit Spike with like a chair a time, one time, like a devastating move on a chair and he just promptly pinned him like 20 times. So he won like 23 to 2 or like 17 to 2 or something. It was insane. Uh, so that was just comically good. They're entertaining. I'm sure that this match will be good. The, the Iron Man match. But no, I think so too. But no, that I, is pretty funny. Like I said, I just, I know that how I am going to be watching it. Um, the final, you know, two, three minutes. Maybe I'll, I'll give him the final five minutes. Is when you're really going to be invested in it. Because it's like. If it's three to two Daniels with five minutes, I think, oh, shit, AJ needs to get two in the final five minutes or vice versa. Or if it's one to one, whatever, two to two, tied up. the final five minutes is probably where the most action and interest is going to be. So the first 25 yeah. minutes, arguably, it was good. OK, it's happening. It would be good happening, but it's just happening. No, definitely. No, I think, I would I think almost, it's fair. So you know, the Iron Man stipulation if it if it's okay, here's my problem. If it is if it's one of those matches where it's one to nothing, it's almost like you don't even have the stipulation. Because I would rather have the match go a half hour, not knowing it's going to go a half hour, and you get the one pinfall at the end or whatever. Yeah, no, that's fair. In comparison to having the countdown that we got one. Mm-hmm. But I think I think this episode was good. It flew by for a full. I agree. And and aside from that main event, which obviously won ten minutes, all the matches were like less than fucking two minutes. But that's yeah. fine. We got the press conference. We've got. I even thought that was fun. We've got three matches announced. It's Four. Crazy. Uh yeah yeah. We got Jared and Nash for the world title, the Iron Man match for the X division, the TLC match. Between Abyss and Jeff Hardy, and then Hammond and Road Dog against Shane and Kazarian. Oh, and AMW against Kid Cash and Lance Hoyt. So that's five. We have all of our title matches. We're likely going to be getting Raven and Dustin Rhodes. 
it would appear from the interaction here. So on the first episode after Final Resolution, we've gotten five confirmed, potentially six if they continue with this Raven Dustin thing, which I'm sure they will. And you still now have three weeks to build those matches up. I think this was a, a great way to get into against all odds. Right. So since since you're mentioning that, I, I do have the... I wouldn't kind of end with this if you want the rumored lineup that we are having. Uh, oh, and, the rumored lineup. Let's go. That's and I'm pretty sure it's not, I don't think anything's spoiled for the next taping necessarily, but I wanted to hold out just in case we got what we just did get, which was like announcements. Um, it's noted here. This is the next show also for Orlando on February 13th against all odds with a lineup of Jarrett versus Nash for the title styles versus Daniel in the 30 minute Ironman match, which we just got the announcement for the X division title. Um, it's noted here, DDP versus Scott Hall. That would which, make sense with the interaction from the press conference. Right. Uh, Chris Harris and James Storm versus Kid Cash and Lance Hoyt, which is his new name for the tag team titles. Jeff Hammond, who's the NASCAR announcer, who also announces that impact, who is a huge name of my NASCAR fans and blah, blah, blah. They hope to get mainstream stuff. Uh, with Road Dog against Michael Shane and Kazarian. Jeff Hardy versus Abyss in the TLC match. Um, and we saw the tease of it, Raven versus Dustin Rhodes. And then it's noted Team Canada and Monty Brown aren't accounted for, so there will probably be some kind of mixing uh, them up. And then it also is noted here in the same breath that Dusty Rhodes has also talked about putting together a one-night X Division tournament similar to the old Super J Cups in Japan, with some wrestlers have been talked about being participating in it. Um, they were under the impression that this would actually end up being the March pay-per-view. So we'll see how that all comes up. But that's... Well, Pretty accurate. Tournament in March, March Madness basketball. I can see that tie-in. There you go. No, that that's a rumor card. It looks pretty. Uh, and some of it's honest. confirmed. Some, yeah, well, most of it is, yeah. yeah. And then, um, into, you know, you mentioned Monty Brown. We didn't see him. Nope. And I mean, we saw stills, I guess, but he wasn't even really highlighted or anything. So that might be interesting to see if they are really pivoting away from using him in a prominent role, which, I mean, if they're just going to maybe insert him with Team Canada, not that Team Canada is bad, but they are definitely a mid-card act right now, uh, especially if they're not the tag team champion. They lost all the titles, yeah. So um, it will be interesting to see kind of where we go uh, for that for Maya Brown. But I'm telling you right now, dude, I'm saying right now against all odds, this card I'm pumped. Dude, it's another one. They're really... I am pumped to watch it. It's all out right now. Just from the card, of, just from the matches announced or even rumored, whatever. It's another strong it's, card. It's, it fucking seems like it. So I'm... I'm wondering if we're ever going to get a weak card in 2005. <laughs> That's honestly a great question. I don't know. I mean, is it going to happen? Off the top of my head from memories? Uh, no. I don't think so. I really so, don't. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and then, I don't know if I maybe again. I hate. I know some people on YouTube hate us talking about stuff in the future, but it's been twenty years, um, fifteen, whatever, depending on what I'm about to say. But I don't know if the, maybe the a week card isn't until like two thousand eight. That's for, yeah. for a pay per view that I can think of off the top of my head. And that's like really crazy for a company to have essentially years worth of strong paper, monthly pay-per-view cards. Uh, 
at least on paper. On paper. Maybe not maybe not on execution, but on paper, it's like, oh shit, okay. Let me check that out. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited. Uh, I definitely can't wait to watch against all odds. And in the coming months, uh, one of my favorites is coming up. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, next week's episode because that means we'll just be one more week closer to watching against all odds. Uh, but that's going to wrap up this week's episode. For Dallas Gridley, I am Bob Klein Jr. And this has been the TNA Crossline Podcast.